Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, welcome to episode 33 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. In episode 33, we are going to once again talk about a book by local author, uh, Richard Sheridan. And this one is called Chief Joy Officer. And this book was published in 2018. And the Chief Joy Officer is about eternal optimism as a leadership quality. And Drew, I say right after Burgess Meredith, we jump in with both feet. Let's go. Books, books, all the books I'll need, all the books, all the books I'll ever want. So Drew, right from the beginning of this book, the foreword is by a guy that uh, anybody that reads leadership books probably recognize, and that's uh, a guy named Tom Peters. Yeah, that Tom Peters guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And as I was reading the foreword, I thought to myself, uh, holy cow, Rich, the check absolutely cleared to Tom because he just gushes about the book and he gushes about it to the point where I thought it got a little ridiculous until I read the entire book. And then I realized that uh, Mr. Peters was right on. Can I run a quote just for our audience real quick? I think so. And I'm going to be really surprised if it's not the one I've got in my notes. Oh, no, it might be a different one. That's it's fine. It's just one of those kind of funny ones, because in Chief Joy Officer, he gives us a viable and proven path out of the mess that typically constitutes a day. In fact, a life at the office. I was trying to show where the exclamation points were. Yeah, I think you did a good job. I love it. And then the one that I've got out of the forward that I thought for sure you would hit is that um, he says that training and development should be capital investment number one if you want to be successful in business. I know you do a little training and I dabble in it here and there. So to hear somebody like Tom Peters talk about training and development being capital investment number one, I thought that was pretty cool. Might be a certified professional in talent development, Sam. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You've got letters. I do have letters, Sam. So we jump into the book and it's, it's uh, broken up into a couple of different sections. And much like uh, Joy Inc., Rich talks all about the importance of having joy in an organization. And I, I think he does a really good job and he did a good job. I think you asked him the question why he wasn't the chief happiness officer when we actually interviewed him. And he said there's a big difference between happiness and joy. And joy is more of a long-term thing that there's going to be times where we're doing hard work and that might not necessarily be happy. But as long as we've got a purpose to our work, and you know, he quotes Simon Sinek in the book a couple of times and says that importance is making sure you know what your why is. And he's big on having a mission and what it is you're doing, what you do. And do you happen to recall what the mission there at Menlo was? To end human suffering. Hmm. I'm trying to think, did we... Did we name the last podcast episode? That? Oh, bam. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's right. That's right. We did. Yes, we did. To end human suffering. You know, I think I mentioned when we were interviewing him, we could see the signs on the wall. The one that said, don't be afraid to say, I don't know and make make mistakes faster. 
in the book, he says, when you create a culture that allows your team to say, I don't know, what you're really doing is creating a culture that invites them to learn. Drew, you and I are really big on the five steps of OJT. You know, I'm, I'm big on which one of the steps we miss most often. Let me just see if we're on the same page. Which one of the five steps do you think we miss most often? Let's see. Hmm. All right. So, so sarcasm, Drew, wants to go right to practice. We're talking about practice. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. I, I don't want to get into sarcasm. And we're talking about the chief joy officer. So I'm guessing that you're going for step one of creating a positive atmosphere. Yeah, I absolutely am. I mean, that create a positive atmosphere, create a positive environment. You know, I think that if we did exactly what Rich is talking about in the book and we allowed people to say, I don't know, which invites them to want to learn. I don't know that there's anything we could do better to create that positive learning atmosphere than allowing people to say, I don't know. Ooh, ooh, pick me, Sam. Pick me. Pick me. Ladies pick and me, gentlemen, Sam. Drew me. Helmholtz. Hi, uh, longtime listener, first time caller. Nice. Go ahead. Thanks for calling. Let's think of our, our stores for a minute. And the normal interaction probably looks something like this. Oh, God. Be scared, listeners. Be scared. Hey, boss person. I don't know how to do something. Boss person responds with, here, I'll do it. At which point the hands touch the keyboard, at which point the hands touch the product, at which point the mouth tells the team member why they're written up, why they're fired, why they're promoted. When the team member today says, I don't know, we generally have someone within six feet that says, oh, I do. And instead of it becoming a learning moment, it becomes what I call an encyclopedia Dominica moment where I have all of the knowledge inside of this little domino store. So I have to spout it. Yeah. And I think that what Rich would call that, like he does in the book, is, is that you're creating yourself to be a pillar of knowledge. Correct. I mean, the good thing about you being a pillar of knowledge is we're all going to have a lot of headroom because you're tall. So yeah, I know I keep the ceiling high if yeah, I'm the pillar. Exactly. But you know, exactly what you talk about. We've got this, we've got this opportunity for training to take place in real time in the moment that it's needed most and at a time where they can practice what they just learned. And as much as you and I really love training events, I think we would both agree that these 10, 15, 20, 30 second training opportunities in real time is really where the rubber meets the road. It's really where your team members are going to become more capable and be much more energized, enjoy their work, and maybe come out at the end of the day feeling some, some joy. Small amount of joy, not too much joy. We wouldn't want them to be so full of joy that they just frolic through the store, prancing and, and dropping flowers because they're so full of joy. Yeah. I don't know why that's the image that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> Sam, we never actually tease future episodes. Go ahead. But can I tease the next episode? I think you should. Because this, this moment, this training moment happened two days ago to me while I was in a supervisor class. And listeners, if you listen to the next episode, you will completely hear how the training moment occurred how the training moment got run over and then how it became a second training moment but you have to listen to the next episode i think 
in the podcast business, they'd call that a teaser. Oh, I know. I know. And we're not really good at teasers. There's a huge section in the book all about the difference between being a leader and a boss. And I think anything we've seen in the past always says leaders good, boss is bad. Leaders good, boss is bad. I like the tack that Rich takes and he says that bosses aren't necessarily bad all the time and leaders aren't necessarily good all of the time. And there's a time and a place for each one. And you know, he goes into great detail about it. But you know, when you do pick up the book, if you do pick up the book. I think Sam's telling you what his answer is going to be when we get to how he ranks it, by the way. But continue on, Sam. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. That's, that's true. That is not a teaser. That was a full giveaway. When you get into the book and you start that section, that might be a section that you want to read over once or twice to make sure that you're really absorbing it and getting it. And, and to that point, in the, um, in the foreword by Mr. Peters, he says that even though it's a short book, it should take you a long time to get through it because you should really reflect on some of these things if you want to make changes to your leadership style. Building on that, I think that if you're a franchisee listening to this now, this should be one of the books you're picking up. Because if ever there was a leadership style that demands a top-down change management system, it would be this one. If you're not leading with joy, then your crew isn't going to be joyful either. No. And, and the whole second part of the book is exactly that is building out that joy culture. The first part of the book where he's talking about the leadership qualities and he's going through and the chapter titles are each of the qualities. I'm not going to give them away. I can't remember which one it was. Was it Gordon or was it Bacon's book that got into the three things for the leader where it was, Oh no. Oh my gosh. It was uh, Patrick Lencioni. It was um, humble, hungry, and smart. Right. And, and so I, I, I don't know why I couldn't even find my note on it, but it was just one of those, like, like as I'm reading the first part, again, listeners, we keep doing these books and it's mindset and it's the same, I don't want to say it's the same story, but it's the same underlying message all the time, right? You know how movies have the same like, like story arc or, or it's always good versus evil, right? All the leadership books are in the same place. Have the mindset, be humble, be hungry. Rich gets a lot into the same concepts. I mean, what I really like about this particular book, if I, if I do really like it, I guess we don't know that yet, um, is that I mean, he doesn't... Don't we? Do yeah, we? Yeah, right. He doesn't just talk about concepts. He gets into nuts and bolts of yes. how they did it. He is a programmer. Right. And he calls himself the chief storyteller. He, you know, I mean, he does a really good job of telling stories. And, you know, if you take nothing else from today's episode, I would take this. He talks about a guy named Gall and Gall's Law. And he's talking about complex systems and simple systems. And he says that any complex system that you have started with a simple system that worked. And then they started putting more simple systems together. So running a Domino's pizza restaurant is a complex system. So if you start narrowing it down to smaller systems and making those right, you can make your you can make your restaurant a little bit better tomorrow than it, oh Hector, you say it. Could be better than yesterday. Yeah, there you go. So I thought that one was really, really important. Just system, system, systems. I know you're huge on processes and systems, Drew. And I think it's pretty apparent that 
a computer program is also <laughs> pretty, pretty into processes and systems. I, I may think like a programmer. There may have been some time at college where I did some light programming like that and now dead languages. The listeners know from the first book that I had a really hard time taking the first book from Rich and trying to convert it to something that would help, right? Yeah. Because when you're talking about open floor plans yeah. and programmers sharing computers, it's the difference between getting down in the weeds and, and zooming out and seeing what he's trying to get at, right? It's, it's going, okay, we don't have a computer and our teams don't sit at computers like that. So how could this work? Okay, nope, let's pull back. We assign two people to a task, which you do every time you hire a new team member. They train with somebody in the store. Congrats. Now, instead of just having it be a three-day thing, each week, roll people through a different pairing. Let them learn from each other. Let the 10-year talk to the one month. Let the, the new AM talk to the senior driver, right? Pair people up in your own stores to create that same knowledge sharing so you stop the pillars. Sorry, sorry, a little off track, but but yeah, it's, it's zooming, it's zooming out. No, no, no. It was it was beautifully on track because I think in your defense, you know, I don't think either one of us thought the first book was a home run for our listeners. I, you know, I thought the first book was great. I loved it. It was just I was having such a hard time translating, and I did too. And you know, this is this is probably my fourth interaction with Rich with this second book. So um, I first learned about Rich listening to the Bacon Podcast, and I said, "Oh man, I want to read that book." Then we read the book, and then I was like, "Oh man, he's in Arbor. Let's get him on the podcast." And we had him on the podcast, and now we're doing this book. And this book was the second book. And I think that he probably got some feedback from the first book that was similar to how we looked at the book on the podcast and said, Hey, listen, if you're running a computer programming business, this book is amazing because I think this book does a better job of going to a broader audience. I think this book does a much better job of talking about the leadership that made his software company you know, that, that he and James co-founded. And it turns out there were four founders at, actually, and two of them have gone on to other things, but he and James are still there. But I think this one really does a much better job of explaining how you could take the things they do there and put them into your organization and make your organization full of joy as well. I use the example all the time that it doesn't matter whether you're selling widgets, tacos, or pizza, that as a leader, you're dealing with people. And, and Rich is in that same boat, right? The, the end product for them is an app or is programming. But as a leader, he's still dealing with people, right? So what the end product is, is relevant only to the skill set your people need. But as the leader, the skill set you need is completely different. That, right. that you, need, you need a base understanding of what your team is doing. So they don't build uh, you know, the pyramids of Egypt upside down. Yeah, because that would be bad. That would be bad. That would be horrible. But what he gets into in here is so less programming and so more just just how to interact with your people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you talked about his end program being, you know, apps or or software. You know, when I get in front of managers, I tell them you should base all your decisions based off of these three things in these in this order. What's best for your customer? What's best for your team? What's best for the brand? And if you take care of those three things, what's best for you will come out in the long run. And whereas leaders that are selfish instead of selfless tend to make decisions based on what's best for them. 
So Rich goes into Menlo's why, and it's not any one of those three things. It's not the customer. It's not the team. It's not his brand. It's the end user, which is rarely the customer. You know, when you and I were with the brand, we had all kinds of software that were on our computers that we didn't buy, but we were the end user. So we were the target people that Rich and his team and uh, are trying to make happy, you know, to end that human suffering as it relates to computer software. He's, they are trying to make people happy that they may never talk to and that they certainly won't get any dollars from. And to me, that's just, that is big picture thinking. Even one step further, he's not getting feedback from them. Right. Right. Because the end user is going to give the buying the program or the app from, and then they are giving the feedback to Menlo. We, we talk about big picture stuff all the time, but this truly is like he is, he is zoomed out. And what, what, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? And then how do we get there? Processes and systems are a beautiful thing, Sam. It's amazing how they work. I agree a hundred percent with you that he's zoomed out and he's looking at the big picture. I think what's very interesting about that, because we agree on that. You know, if you think back to the interview and we asked him about his C-suite, he sits at a five foot folding table in the middle of his open workspace. And yet he's still sometimes not in the middle, wherever the team puts him because it's convenient for them. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So he's still able to maintain this 30,000 foot view from the ground. I mean, I think that speaks volumes to the type of leader. He, he just must be completely agree. All right. So we are a final approach to landing this plane. And um, we're going to circle one more time because the pattern's full, but I want to leave the listeners with one last nugget that I think that they could start to use today. And it's a system that uh, co-founder James came up with from the beginning. The system is all around finger pointing. As human beings, we have this need to find out whose fault it was. So early on in the Menlo uh, regime, James who was the leader of operations, told the entire team, if there's ever anything wrong, it's my fault. So whenever you come upon a problem, just say, it's James's fault. And I don't know if our friend Sheldon Port took a, book, or took a page out of Menlo's book or, or if James took a page out of Sheldon's book, but this is huge with Sheldon right now. He's saying anytime there's something wrong, the leader should look in the mirror and say, what could I have done better? What decision could I have made better? What could I have done to set my team up to get a better outcome? And to James's point and to Rich's point as well is as human beings, we have this desire to find out whose fault it is. So when James says, I'm the leader of operations, and if something's wrong, it's my fault. And the team starts to spout that off all the time. Well, there's a story that one day they were working on a project that was really hard and there was a problem with it. And somebody said, oh, it's James's fault. And everybody said, yeah, it's James's fault. And then once they had pointed the finger and found the responsibility, even though it was not James's fault, just so we're clear on that, then they said, okay, well, now we figured out whose fault it was. Let's find the solution. Imagine in your restaurant, if you're the general manager and you're brave enough and strong enough to say, if anything goes wrong, you just say it's Sam's fault. Pizza got mismade. Yeah, it's Sam's fault. And now what do we need to do to fix it? Because then we can take care of the basic human need to point fingers and find out whose fault it is. Because I don't think we're going to change that basic human need. But then they can all say, oh, Sam, it's your fault. And I can say, you're right. 
And then we can say, how are we going to fix it? So I think that's something that the team could take to their restaurants tonight if they're strong enough to do that. It takes less little no ego. And that's the beautiful part about this, right? It's the difference between selfish or selfless, right? I don't know about you, Sam. I know as a manager, I know as a supervisor, I know as a director when dealing with customers, I may have fired myself probably a dozen times. But the, you know, it's it's my fault. Occasionally I would have to say it's Drew's fault because the person I was talking to didn't understand that when I was saying it's me, I am Drew, but take the blame. And that's that's always been my gag in stores, right? If the pizza looks great, that team member made it. If if it's bad, I did perfectly fine. Yeah, I wish I could say that that was always my gag. I would say early on in my journey into leadership, that was absolutely not my gag. And uh, I think that's why there were a few stores that that I was in charge of that I thought it was more important to be in charge than it was to deliver customers great experiences. And I wish somebody would have been around to say just this whole thing about just take the blame and then find the solutions and let's move on because it would have been a wonderful world. That's because you didn't have a driver named Tom Wallace that told you if that's your best, your best sucks bad. <laughs> your second day as that's a manager. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Tom, if you're listening, thanks for telling Drew that. That's great. Isn't there a Helmholtz family saying about? Oh, no, it is totally now. That is totally the Helmholtz family motto. If that's your best, your best yeah. sucks bad. And that way, whenever anybody around us goes, I'm trying my best. Usually someone in my family rolls their eyes and goes, if that's your best, your best yeah. sucks bad. And you know, that's. But it's, it's, it's actually for good reason right. though, because if you think about it, if you're saying that's your best, all, all the retort is, is we know it's actually not, we know you can actually do so much better. We know you can actually do so much more. You just have to know or think you can. And so it, it sounds negative. It's just not. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you've got a close knit group with your family, I would suppose. Yeah. I mean, your kids, yeah. you've probably known them all since birth. I mean, basically. Yeah. And they've known you all their life. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think what you've just epitomized is a culture that's got its own communication and they understand. And if everybody answers that way, then the person that's saying, I'm doing my best probably the moment the words come out of their mouth, they know what's coming next and they're already on their road to better performance. And even though, you know, you're able to get away with a little sarcasm inside your family, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that inside a restaurant, but I certainly would if you've got a well-seasoned team and everybody understands it like they do at your house. But the fact that the person is saying something and they know what's going to come next puts them on that road to better performance so much quicker. And wow, what a great, what a great way to build a culture. Build a culture, a good culture, yeah. a joyful culture. Yeah. So let's, let's land the plane, Sam. We have a final review. Oh my God, did I actually get the, the analogy right? You did. That's wow, awesome. I am off my game today. I am so off my game today. But I am full of joy that you're off your game and on my game, I guess. So let's start with you, brother. Final review on the prize table, on the desk, on the shelf, in the donation bin. This is an interesting one. It's probably going to go on the desk. Yeah, it's probably going to go on the desk. I think there's stuff to pull from it to use 
as a way to communicate, especially to leaders. Uh, so yeah, probably going to go on the desk. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. I'm not really a prize table guy. I don't have prize tables, Yeah, but if I did, it would still be on the desk. I gotcha. Okay. Well, I would say of the, I don't know how many books have we done now? 30, 29, 28, somewhere in there. We're pushing 30. Yeah. I'm going to say, and this is, this is a big statement because we have done some books that we mentioned over and over and over again. And we've done some books that we just flat out love. I know. And we've, we've boosted other authors book sales, like with the coffee bean. Exactly. I mean, John Gordon, if you're listening, we have at least sold a hundred books for you in the last month. I mean, that's at least 10, 20 cents. Yeah. I mean, I it's mean, gotta be something. I mean, at the very <laughs> least you can come on the podcast. So for me, this was the easiest one to put in the final review ever. Um, it, you know, f- full transparency. I didn't actually read this one. I did the audio book on this one, which is the first audio book I've done in quite some time. Um, but I just had a tremendous amount of windshield time in the last week. And, um, and Rich did the reading on the audio book. So that was, that, that sparked my interest as well. But for this is, this is uh, solidly on the prize table for me. In fact, there are 30 copies of this book on its way to my home now. To, to stock that prize table, but it's also going to be on the desk because uh, I might be working on a project that's going to have this book around it. It just depends on secret, Sam. Top secret. Okay. Uh, I won't talk about that more right now. Is that our second cliffhanger in one episode? I know. How did we, how do we go 30, 31 episodes, 32 31 episodes, 32 episodes, and never do a tease. And now this episode, we're like, ooh, let's introduce teasers. Somebody stop me. Oh wow. my gosh, Sam. Crazy. Yeah. That's it's almost like we're getting a professional at this. <laughs> well, let's not be silly. So yeah, on the prize table, but solidly on the desk as well. Franchisees, this to me is a must read for you if you want to create joy. And uh, hopefully you do. So that's where it is for me, Drew. So as a final review, we're on the prize table for Sam. We're on the desk for me. And that is the Chief Joy Officer by Richard Sheridan. Leaders, fill your store, fill your area, fill your district, fill your franchise with joy. And you won't have to worry about how many people apply because those that are on your team will stay. And they'll be doing the recruiting for you because they'll be talking to their friends and say, you got to come work with us. Well, thanks so much for listening. Hey, we would love it if you shared these episodes with your friends, like them, follow us and subscribe. This has been episode number 33 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And as far as I know, I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. And uh, I would love it if you would go out and sell more pizzas and have more fun. That's all, folks.